You are listening to A Taste of Romumu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romumu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For 24 hours this week, New York City underwent a character transformation. On every street corner, shelves usually overflowing with an abundance of produce and dry goods, empty. Lines of New Yorkers bundled, anxious, and cold. Everyone was braced for a potential disaster. In a few short hours, we went from casual abundance to scarcity, at least fear of scarcity. What Sukkot is symbolically, we got a taste of in real time, our sense of solidity and security pulled from under our feet. So it was Monday morning, and I'm ashamed to say it, but I was completely unprepared. In the frantic hours before the city shut down, I went in search of batteries, water, dried lentils. And what I found was hundreds of others equally unprepared. Were there some others amongst? (laughs) I'd hate to be the only one. On this short excursion when I went out, I witnessed some of the best of human behavior and some of the worst. There were people hoarding, fighting over the last roll of toilet paper. (laughs) On the flip side, I saw a homeless man somehow asleep in the snow, and he had been covered by passers-by with additional blankets and scarves. As I mentioned, I wasn't prepared, but I was struck by a student of mine who was prepared. We had to cancel our Monday night class And this student in the adult B'nai Mitzvah class wrote to all the other students, I'm nearby. If you don't have groceries, I can bring them to you. We woke up Tuesday morning, not to the blizzard of the century, (laughs) but to a beautiful blanket of still, quiet snow. And I began to think about our ancestors in this week's Parsha. A few weeks after they had crossed the Reed Sea, they woke up, peered outside their tents to find their own blanket of white, fluffy crystals. Not snow, but mana. During the night, God Himtir, God rained down a foreign substance, and when the dew lifted, the Israelites discovered a layer of peculiar, white, flaky, and sticky stuff, like a field of coriander seed. Manhu, what is this, they asked. Man, man, what? And the name stuck. For 40 years, we ate what? (laughs) And for centuries, Our rabbis continued to ask the same question, manhu, what is this? Well, some said it was made of light, of God's supernal light, and this made it the bread of angels. Or perhaps, as it was suggested in the Zohar, the man is 
kind of like God's cerebral fluid dripping down. And what does this man taste like? In the Torah text, it says it tastes like wafers dipped in honey. But some say it tasted like whatever we were thinking about at that moment. Something good, preferably. <laughs> some say that we ingested this man by mouth. We ate them in cakes. Others say that this man was absorbed through our limbs and our organs and our skin. Something like a man moisturizer. <laughs> Still others suggest that it would seep through our head, through our crown chakra. But almost as curious as, that, as this man itself was God's declared intention for sending the man. God says, Look, I'm about to rain down for you bread from the heavens. So these people were going to go out and collect it. God says, I am going to test these people to find out whether they're going to walk in my ways or no. This mana is a test. It is only a test. But what on earth is the test, the rabbis ask. And there's a big machloket. So I want to start with the 15th century Italian commentator Sforno who says, Okay, look at this manna. Every day, the Israelites don't have to work the land. They don't need to do the shopping. They don't need to cook. They don't need to do anything at all. They just need to reach outside their tents and pluck this manna from the earth and eat it. This is the ultimate abundance. In Bereshit, we learned that human beings, as a punishment for eating the fruit of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, We'll toil for our food by the sweat of our brow. But here, these Israelites have it so good. So what's the test, asks Forno? How are these Israelites going to respond to abundance? Who will they be? Man who? What will they be? Will they retain gratitude and faithfulness? The acknowledgement that things don't have to be this good? Will they move? Will they transform from their slave mentality into individuals with agency? So here's our mana test. Who are we when we live in abundance? When things are going our way, when it's so easy to get lazy and to forget? Who are we? Abundance mentality, aside from being one of the seven habits of successful people, can also lead us astray to a place of entitlement and self-satisfaction. In Sefer Devarim, God warns us that when we enter the land of Israel and all around us there will be palm trees, olives, pomegranates, plentiful harvests, we will get cocky, grow big-headed, and forget where we came from and how we got here. Our gratitude muscle will go limp and soggy. So when the shelves are full, and the bananas are ripe, and there's not a question of whether we will have toilet paper, how are we doing on the mana test? On the other end of the spectrum, Ramban sees mana as the ultimate austerity measure. The Israelites are hungry, 
And as my teacher, Rabbi Nehemia Poland says, God forgot to pack a snack. We've been traveling and traveling, and we are pining for food, for meat, for the flesh pots of Egypt that we probably never ate from, but we are hungry. To address the very legitimate human need for food, God rains down an alien substance that barely curbs their hunger. God not only provides an entirely bland food substitute, but God then rations this substitute to boot. Mana is not an abundant gift. Mana is an affliction. For Ramban, the test is, who are you in a place of scarcity? Can you say Dayenu instead of that's it? Even those few hours this week, we went to the sudden place of scarcity, or at least the threat of scarcity. So when the shelves of the markets in New York City are bare, and when our sense of security is diminished, who are we, manhu? Are we fighting over the last roll of toilet paper? Or are we looking out for the one who is left outside? There's a curious addendum in the Torah text to the man story. Aharon is commanded to take the man, seal it in a jar, and place it by the edut, by the covenant, by um, these guys, tablets. <laughs> Incidentally, in the, right where we are in the text, we don't have them yet, but it's in Mukdaw Mulchar. So Aharon has to take the man, put it in a jar, seal it, and stick it into the Aron Kodesh, into the, into the ark. And it's supposed to stand there. It will stand there as a reminder in the holiest place. Every time we learn, every time we daven, every time we open the ark, we see this man and we are reminded, who are we? It's, it's a man mirror of sorts. When we look into this mirror, when we gaze into the ark, in both times of abundance and in scarcity. Are we prepared? Is our character strong? Can we be the person God wants us to be and the person that we strive to be?